Hello and welcome to the Smell Test Podcast. This week and weekly, uh, we, <laughs> we have a podcast where we review beloved movies from our past to see whether today, as of September 2023, they still hold up culturally, ethically, humorously, and through our own personal gut checks, aka the smell test. My name is Jessica. I will learn how to talk today. So by the way, this podcast solely represents the opinions of the podcasters and is meant for entertainment purposes only. Sometimes we say actors are dead and they're not. Sometimes we give bad facts. We try our best. It's only an ethics podcast. I am Jessica Homer. I am an attorney and my areas of interest are employment and ethics and compliance. I also teach at the college and soon-to-be law school level and am a yoga instructor. I am 40 one years old and you will find me on insta as jess homer and here's my bestie diane what up hi everybody i'm diane um the primary thing i do is i'm a phd student who looks at social equity in a lot of different directions i also teach um so i'm constantly comparing this generation to my generation and i am 36 born in 1987 and um i think that was pretty much it whatever Sounds if you good. made it to episode 10 which by the way happy episode 10 why, why? <laughs> i should know that some of this about me by now so <laughs> well it's funny because by episode 10 you know we've been at this place right now that we have a sm- small following we get some comments sometimes about uh what we could do better um and uh, one of the things that is funny to me is that I think everyone comes on, uh, they come on with preconceptions and I'm like, it's an ethics podcast. At the end of the day, <laughs> we're looking to see whether shit holds up now through current ethical structures. And that makes it sound boring, but it's not because today we are going to talk about one of the epic slasher flicks of our times i know what you did last summer a movie brought to us by diane today it's a 1997 horror flick right on the back of scream written by kevin williamson and lois duncan but kevin williamson is also the scream writer it was a short turnaround time movie with some big people who became big blockbuster actors so let's start off by diane telling us why this movie is significant to your childhood or youth okay yeah let's get into it so um i mentioned in last episode when we covered the craft that i was living in this big old house with a bunch of people bunch of ladies well um one of the we did not have tv we didn't have cable tv at the time so how we did entertain ourselves was through watching movies i don't think at the time i mentioned last time uh the two women the two adult women and there my mom and my aunt had recently gotten divorced so times were tough so we would occasionally rent a vhs tape and we were so poor we had to also rent the vcr (laughs) so i know what you did last summer was one of those films that we watched during that time I had never heard of it because I didn't see commercials for it or anything because I had no cable TV. Um, and so when I watched it, I went in totally blind. Uh, it scared the shit out of me. Uh, it was one of the most scary movies. Um, I'm still trying to figure out why. Um, I 
think it's because it may have been one of the first films I watched that featured the bad guy who wasn't like a comical bad guy, if that makes sense. Okay. So, um, you know, you tease that we were going to watch Nightmare on Elm Street 2. It's no secret to people who know me um, that I love the Freddy Krueger franchise. But part of the reason why I love the Freddy Krueger franchise, which we'll get into a later episode, is because he's so corny whereas this was like actually it felt serious it felt real to me he was so, a dad on revenge that's the scariest kind of person <laughs> yeah it was like a it was an old white guy that's the scariest kind of monster scariest type of person the my patriarch. husband is almost 50 uh and he is white and he is very very affable so he'll like you know, if a baby sees him in the store and he'll wave at the baby and I'm like, you can't do that. White men in their 50s are so scary. <laughs> he doesn't like that joke. Well, they are. They are. Um, I know a, a very scant amount of white men in their 50s, and I would say we're batting at 10 percent. <laughs> I like them. Eric will be part of that. Well, we'll up at the 15 percent. Um, when Eric crosses that bridge, but uh, they are, this is the scariest demographic. <laughs> Most likely to be serial killers. Okay. <laughs> that is my permanent fear. Okay. Continue. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> that was it. What about you? Had you ever seen it before? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, I will say that. So one, we didn't address this and we have been terrible at addressing this, but we have leaned in hard to spooky season even though it's September. So every single one of our oh. movies have been horror. Um, if you haven't noticed the theme, it's uh, not necessarily that I'm a horror junkie. It's just that <laughs> the time of year. But um, yeah, I saw this. I think I might have seen this in theaters. Um, and I don't know that I watched it much since. But you know what really strikes me, and I guess is a starting point of our discussion, that this might be, I think, one of the most interesting movies we've talked about because there are no good guys like every single person in the movie is a bad person uh, or did a bad disagree. thing disagree there's one there's one who's not not that terrible i'll get that um david's sister and haitia's character she was creepy but she's not a bad guy you're well, right she was creepy i mean we'll get into it but <laughs> we'll get into it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'll just keep do you know how many times I'm sure the, the listeners could say how many times I say well we'll get into it and then I never loop back around um, <laughs> so if you have my us. phone number and I say that just text me I'll I'll just list my phone number if you ever want to know more about the BTS <laughs> the behind the scenes <laughs> <laughs> but why do you say okay so tell me about so you like Anne Hayes' character yeah Okay. All right. Well, she we doesn't seem to expand. Can we toss up the movie? What's the movie? We'll plot? toss the movie. Okay. So <laughs> the movie is about four teenagers who are celebrating the 4th of July. Um, this seems to be, even though it's the beginning of summer, is treated very much like an end to high school. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller's character has just been crowned whatever town queen answer so her name is helen i do like that when i was watching i was watching this with our former guest matt and my brother jay and they're like who names the hot girl helen and i'm like i dig it i dig the old lady name it was helen and then her also very hot sister was named elsa right 
Right. I was like, oh, just a strong Scandinavian background, perhaps. Maybe, I guess. One of the coolest ladies in my life um, was named Helen. Me too. Really? Yeah, that was Eric's mom's name, and she lived with us for a little while, and she's like one of my favorite people that ever lived. Big ups to Helen. So mine was, um, I mean, I hope she's still alive. She lived in Ithaca, New York, and she used to bring me um i doubt she'll ever listen to this but she used to bring me to this um so i lived in ithaca new york which is upstate new york and there were well central but there was a point in time where utopian societies were huge as a side tangent but utopian societies were huge in these um in certain areas that were uh open and uh whatever a lot of utopian societies emerged in the 60s, 70s. Helen was part of one of those. And then they still. They're now like, called cults. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I think, well, here's the thing. I think they either switch to cults or everyone just joins the real world and then kind of like keeps that as like a freaky side hobby. And that's what happened with this one. The name of the group is Wisdom's Goldenrod. You can look them up. That's the name. Wisdom's Goldenrod. And Helen, she was a teacher at the school. I was a secretary at this high this school, um, high school. Now you're gonna I'm gonna doxing Helen right now. But she was like, Oh, you, you have a philosophy degree? You may be interested in this organization where we go and meditate and discuss the it's sounding more cult like the more I describe it. And <laughs> discuss Yo, the, what the do right- we find out? We find out that you're a sexually oppressed cult member. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so um I was 23 at this point, 24, 23, 24. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would go out to this place and meditate and read the uh, the writings of this dude named Anthony. And he was uh, in charge and lived there? No, he was dead and at that point. had sex with all the women who lived there? He was dead at that point, but mm-hmm. everyone missed him a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was my cult era. Um, but still love Helen. Just cool chick. Um one of the people who really dedicated time and effort into making me feel welcome. So the shout center out was in Helen. a log cabin. I they built the log cabin themselves too. <laughs> Listen, we need to stop. Let's move on. We don't need to get in my okay, call era. So we have uh, Helen, uh, the beauty queen. Yeah. Julie, the who's super playing hot. these people. So Helen, Sarah Michelle Geller, Julie. Jennifer Julie, Love Hewitt. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Julie is the super hot brunette who somehow gets upset when people talk about people with good boobs, even though every anyone in the planet can argue that Jennifer Love Hewitt had Excellent. phenomenal Excellent. boobs. But when they were talking Not about Sarah Michelle Gellers, she got very nervous. Julie's yeah. clothes in the movie range deeply from belly shirts to long dresses with long <laughs> dragging sweaters. <laughs> no, there was it wasn't a character arc. It just yes, switched dramatically. Yes, it was. We'll talk about that. I do think it was a character arc. I really Freddie do. Prince Jr., who plays Ray, and Ray is Julie's boyfriend. To note, Freddie Prince Jr. is the poor kid in the group. Julie has no dad. Je- Helen's family owns the store, and then a Barry, department. who is Ryan Phillippe's um character, and he is a football player, somehow a big varsity football player, even though. He weighs 120 pounds soaking wet, and uh, he is clearly the richest of them. And this all takes place in coastal North Carolina. Four kids are out on July 4th, 
having a uh, end of the year kind of party for Helen. Uh, well, with Helen and she's excited. She's wearing her crown. They all go to the beach. Helen and Barry probably have sex on the beach, though it doesn't seem like it's the first time. Julie loses her virginity to Ray after he gives a rousing speech about how high school sweethearts are the most likely couples to survive. And she goes, cite your sources, which is how we know she's a nerd. And he points to his heart as the source. And then she has sex with him because what's more romantic than that? That's dreamy as fuck. So Ryan Phillippe does not drive home because he is wasted and they pick the smart drive home as Ray. But Ryan Phillippe pulls himself through the sunroof and is yelling and screaming and drops his alcohol bottle. And then while Ray is trying to like calm down the guy who's kicking him in the face from being wild and drunk, uh, everyone says, watch out. And he hits a body which flies into it. Barry, which Ryan Phillippe's character, which was hysterical. I did not remember the body flying off of Ryan Phillippe's character, but that was a good touch. Uh, and and uh, they all get out of the car and realize they've hit a person. They make a pact and decide that they are going to dispose of the body instead of ruining all their lives because the guy's already dead. They bring him down. Oh, John Thingalecki's character is like this incel guy that's after Julie, even though she clearly has a boyfriend. He sees them uh, and they try to play it off like Ryan Phillippe's character is just throwing up in the bushes. They get him down to the docks right as they're about to kick him over. They realize he is still alive, but then they kick him over and he grabs Sarah Michelle Gellar's crown. Barry jumps in the ocean after her after the crown and realizes the guy is still alive again, but seems like he's drowning. They all make a pact to not tell anyone, much to Julie's dismay, because she is very unhappy about the idea of joining this pact. Um, uh, am I missing anything? And then a year later, we meet again when they come home for their first summer break after whatever adventure they all go on. Good? Yeah. <laughs> And so when they come back after a year. Oh, well, let's talk about this real quick. So okay. they all, they already established. Yeah, it was like kind of their last hurrah. And so all four. On July 4th, they're still home for a month and a half. Didn't make sense. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So so all four of them have big dreams. Um, mm-hmm. So Julie wants to go to school and be smart. I think the same thing's kind of implied about Ray. But Ray's poor, so we don't. It's kind so of Julie's set- going up to Boston to be smart and Ray's going for something oh, with works. writing to New York. Okay. And then Barry, it's just, it's implied he's going to go to college. It's implied later. He goes to the same one as Julie. Right. And, and Helen, wait, so you're saying that Ray was going to go to New York city. So essentially Helen and Ray were going to go to New York city. Yep. Helen wanted to be a big time star going to be. A big time star. Sorry. <laughs> she wanted to be a big time star. And um Ray was gonna go there for writing school. And then Julie and Barry were headed to Boston. Right. Okay. Right. So that was the plan. That was the plan when they were 18 or whatever. And then sure. fast forward a year, they're 19. So fast forward a year, Jennifer Love Hewitt looks a little less glamorous than when you're used to seeing her. Her hair looks stringy. She seems very sad. She has done poorly her first year in school. She is on academic probation. She comes home. 
Her mom says her dad would be so disappointed in her, which is a lovely thing to say about a dead father. Very cool. And she receives a note that says, I know what you did last summer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she, that's where it kicks off. That's where we kick off. And we find out that Helen was in New York for a minute before she realized she could not do it and came back to work the perfume okay. counter at her dad's store. Uh, Barry stayed in school, seemed mm-hmm. a little unaffected. And then eventually when they got probably to Ray, <laughs> what? I said he was probably in Greek life. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> and then Ray was a fishing boat person. A fishing. <laughs> All right. Not the fishing boat person. He just, he's a he's a fisherman. Yeah, Is that's that what we call word. them. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, he worked on a fishing boat though. <laughs> <laughs> His crew. Uh, um, so the first yeah. murder is, John and they're all broken up. Oh yeah, they've all broken up from They're together. And uh, Ray didn't seem like he wanted to break up, but everyone else wanted to be part away from each other and no one yeah no one kept in touch with each other even even julie and barry who were at the same school right and julie had to go into the to the helen's dad's store to find their sister elsa just to get helen's number Mm -hmm. because she didn't have it so she assumed helen actually went to new york right these were all so let's just pause there these were all pre-social media days. Like we right. would know, I would know, you know, in this era, if I fell out with my three friends, I would still be able to tell you exactly what they're all up to for right. the most part, <laughs> because it would all be on social media. Like I'd be like, oh yeah, Helen like arrived in New York on July 21st and by July tw- or by September 12th, she was already back or something like that. Right. That's one way that our era has changed where when you go off to school now, or if you go off to to find your big break, you're still really hyper connected with your hometown, or you you're able to be. You can be if you want to be. Yeah. Whereas this, it was more monumental that they were going off because they weren't they weren't going to be able to stay in touch. Right, right, for sure. So I made the comment: everyone in this movie is a bad guy. Sure. <laughs> he disagreed talk about it yeah well okay so you mentioned that um so we mentioned this person's sister so at the beginning they they made a pact not to figure out the identity not to look at the idea of the person that they were killing or that they killed so um they initially think it's one person it ends up spoiler alert if you haven't watched this the statue the statute on spoilers is run out but (laughs) it ends up being someone else and so they go to visit the um this guy actually did die the same night. So they go to visit his sister and it's Anne Hache, RIP to Anne Hache. Um and they so they essentially go to get information from her and it's been made it it eventually comes out that she other people in the so this is Helen and Julie who do it and then it's mm-hmm. later revealed that Ray also did that. Yeah. So um in the movie she's portrayed as like creepy and weird, but I also like rewatching it. I always felt really creeped out by her, but on the rewatch I was like she's just poor. Like they're basically like that's what people in Appalachia look like and stuff and so we're essentially making them creepy for 
being bored. Like, so she she's totally on her own. Everyone else is dead in her family or went insane. And so she's like in this poor area of North Carolina, which is close to Appalachia, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I just feel like she got a bad lot. <laughs> I do think I do like how she is a smart character, though, too, because we like kind of take her as this kind of country bumpkin vibe through through where we meet her in the beginning. But and so her parents have died. It was only her and her brother. And then her brother was engaged. So two years before. So July 4th, two years, 95, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. Her her brother and his fiance were on a road that same road they got in a car accident and the brother's fiance dies Susie because that's important she's the right isn't that her name on the tattoo yeah makes so. so so Susie dies uh and then on the year anniversary her brother goes up to the same cliffs and that's actually the opening scene in the movie some guy crying on the corner of the cliffs so at this point in the movie, where when we meet Anhasia's character, uh, what is her name again? Melissa. Um, we think that that's Billy Egan's sister. I mean, we think Billy Egan, her brother, is the one who fell in front of their car. And Julie pretty quickly deduces. I do appreciate that through the whole movie, Julie is the smart one, and that never fa- falters, right? She pretty quickly deduces, hey, maybe that guy didn't die, and he's yeah. the guy who's coming after us. Which is why they go to see Anne Heche in the first place. Eventually, Anne Heche says, I know he didn't get I know he didn't get killed. I know he killed himself. He went up there to kill himself. He left a note. And that note said, I know what you did last summer. Or no, it doesn't say exactly that, Something but it like says that. some kind of variety of that. Yeah. So same thing. Yeah. And that's after Julie had gotten a note that said the same, that said, I know what you did last summer. Right. And, you know, the police officer wasn't necessarily bad. The story did sound fantastical. So there are characters, but the main characters. You think I the guess police the, officer wasn't bad? I mean, but he went to check and there was no one there. I'm more confused with wow. why. I don't why know you're pro cop over here, but. <laughs> why when Helen goes. He's getting murdered. The whole crowd stops her. That was so and, fucking weird. Well, they treat her like she's hysterical. So back to Helen and Julie. Yeah. Um, so the whole time, so you said there's no good person in here. I would say the closest are Helen and Julie because they're two women uh, trying to exist in fucking North Carolina in the 90s. And they face physical violence from Barry. Mm-hmm. Um, they face just general misogyny. Helen's not believed. She literally watches Barry get murdered in front of her and everyone's like treating her like she's hysterical. The fucking cop does not investigate like he should. He's laughing at her. She's a victim who just watched her boyfriend get murdered and she had already been assaulted because this dude snuck into her room. So there's a bunch of little scenes, right? right, Where they're like, he, he fucks with them. For yeah, a bit for before sure. he starts killing people or killing them. He kills tertiary characters, but <laughs> yeah. then he he's like fucking with them. So one of the things he, he left a dead body. So Johnny Galecki's character ends up dead in Julie's trunk. Um, 
uh, Barry is almost run over, so he breaks his arm. Um, Helen, her hair gets cut off in the middle of the night, and uh, they sent Ray a letter. Like, so then everyone thinks it's Ray because right. they're like, really, you got a letter. We all got physically assaulted. You got a letter. That's great. Right. But, um, so, um, so I would say that of all of them, you know, at this point, Helen had been assaulted. She had her hair cut off and this cop yeah. is literally laughing at her. And he's like, oh, is it the same guy who cut your hair off? Ha 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 ha. And like making fun of her. And so. I would say Julie clearly is the one who has the moral compass. Who's like, let's say something. Let's say something. She gets physically choked by Barry. And, you know, and this is the thing, right? Is that when Julie gets physically choked by Barry, no one stops her, him. No. But when Barry attacks Ray, Julie stops. Yeah. Julie fights, physically fights a dude off another dude, but. When she is getting choked and she, and that's the one thing I like that character. I didn't say that I didn't like the characters. I just said that they're, they're, I oh, back my to whole ethics. question is <laughs> when are, are they bad? Does that one act of murder, which is what they all ended up doing, make someone bad fully, right? But, um, well, hold on now. Okay. <laughs> Keep but, going. <laughs> Keep going. And then I I'll- do like when Barry, the thing with Jennifer Love Hewitt's character, Julie, is so great is that like when she's in the chokehold, she's like, fine, Barry, like stone cold face. She wasn't crying. She was, she's like, fine, I won't tell anyone. Yeah. I do also, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the character Barry at all. But he, when he's like, this is for us and our therapist, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talking I about therapy so in funny. 1997. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But he talked about it like it's going to be like so far out, like when you're processing it in middle age or something. Right. But I did appreciate that. Um, so I will say. You said that they're all bad because they killed someone. I mean, obviously, they ended up not killing somebody. Mm-hmm. So then it gets into if like when you think about ethics, it really starts to get into um well, if the consequence didn't actually happen, does that make them bad? <laughs> and that's where I would say that it, it's kind of, you know, in, in, in my field of ethics, um, we talk about like omission versus commission. So like essentially if you're complacent versus if you're actively doing it, doing the bad thing. So I would say Barry was the catalyst to doing yeah. it. So he was the one doing a lot of the committing of the act and then he essentially abused everyone else into submission and it is heavily implied i would say that he is the richest one yeah and that he kind of has control and power over the rest of them because they're not as rich and you know it really doesn't come out but it is kind of implied that his house is huge yeah, he's like he had, standing on the balcony like what do you bitches right. want <laughs> well i think it's implied like because they don't really get into it or show their four times but i feel like it's kind of implied that maybe he footed the bill for a lot of stuff and was like the funder of maybe their their fun times yeah. they were in his car and and it was it, like a bmw or something like that yeah so so of them i would say 
Helen and Julie were the least shitty and like fucking but Helen's Hel- the one who's like, fuck it. If you all aren't going to do it, I'm going to do it. She helped. She was number two in the murder, well, <laughs> the attempted murder. That. But also everyone was an asshole to her. Her sister was an asshole to her. She yeah. was 19 years old, a beauty queen at 18 when she um when she start when she started her reign as beauty queen. I'm guessing around 18. That's when you graduate, 18, 19. Yeah. And her sister was calling her a husband. At this point, she's 19 or 20. Right. And the sister was the manager of her dad's store. Like she was so much more impressive than her Mm -hmm. (laughs) was very and still lived in her parents house but was definitely older i'm like why are you acting like you're better this i'm not listen y'all listeners if you can afford if you have parents that you like enough to live with exactly and that's a possibility (laughs) in your life take that as long as you can yeah but i am saying that there is an element when you're given a job by your parents and a home by your parents that you don't really get to call your sister who's younger than you doing the same thing, a has-been. Has Thank been. you for coming to my TED Talk. Because <laughs> she was doing the exact same thing. You're right. Um, and then Julie, you know, I have a soft spot. You mentioned she was on academic probation. So in other words, she, her grades were so bad, she was about to get kicked out of college. And I am someone who used to coach those students. So then watching it, from my perspective now, I was like, can't say I had anyone come through my doors saying, oh, well, we mur- I murdered someone, which is why I'm struggling to keep up in class. But, right. you know, I still feel a soft spot for her because I was like, you know, clearly something's going on. She had the the 90s movie trope of if you're unkempt, your hair is slightly oily and stringy, just like we saw in the craft. And she was frumpy, right? So they... They made it seem like like they covered her up. This was that thing that I was going to get back around to. They started like covering her up. They put her in overalls, which I love overalls. I'm kind of known for owning several pairs and wearing them often. So um, they put her in overalls to, to be like, look, she's frumpy and not happy now. <laughs> But that's what she wore in the in the begin opening scene. She was still in. I mean, like she had cleavage, but she was in a long sleeve sweater and a long skirt. Her hair was styled. She was smiling in the beginning, yeah. and then now she's like sulking. Um, I mean, they did. She did a good job looking depleted. Yeah, as an actress, she did a good job looking depleted. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. And and I appreciate that she felt the trauma more than people. It doesn't. Does that? So her feeling the trauma more than the other people, does that mitigate the harm that she was part of? I mean, that goes into like remorse and conscious, like a conscience. And um, I don't know, for some reason, I'm just going to keep defaulting to Barry was the worst of them. Oh, Barry was the pits. I hated Barry. <laughs> he was the worst. Oh. I was very happy for him to be the first one dead very well, happy well he wasn't well jonathan galecki was but the first of the mains right yeah he was the first of the mains that was dead um so, okay so i have some fun facts about the movie you ready so the, what i said crank him out <laughs> the what are you waiting for scene was directed by some kid who won a contest Oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> that so, that seems iconic and off, and it's been parodied. 
Yeah. So recently, Jennifer Love Hewitt said in an interview, and then someone else in the cast agreed that basically they were like, okay, so he won some contest. I can't find out like who the kid is, what the contest was. But the kid comes on, he goes, so you're going to run in the middle of the street and you're just going to run in circles, say, what are you waiting for? (laughs) And she's like, and I was like, are you kidding me? Okay, I'll do it. And she's like, I never thought it would make the cut, but here it is the most iconic scene in the movie. So that was a kid. That's so good. Which I think is so great. I love that. Um, Also in that same scene, when she opens the trunk and sees Johnny Galecki's body, that's Max's body, in real life, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Johnny Galecki are really good friends. So she had a total fucking meltdown on set. And Johnny Galecki had to come back to set to be like, it's not real. I'm here. It's not real. Like, oh, oh, she's so so sweet. I know. Oh, he seems like I just want to pause for some Jennifer Love Hewitt appreciation. Absolutely. Because, you know, I, I adored her in this film. But just overall, she's in she's in Can't Hardly Wait, which we're going to have to watch at some point. She's the love interest of my Disney princess, Ethan Embry, in that film. But she's always in all these movies. She's always played just this really sweet, smart, friendly kind of person. Yep. And so my parasocial relationship with her makes me think she's like that in real life. Um, She might not be, but. Uh, I mean, from I what I see things. on social media, she seems great still yeah. um, and funny. And so well, and she's obviously likable enough to have on set because like my so-called yeah. light. Uh, no, 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 no. Party of five. Party of five. Scott Wolf's girlfriend, right? One of their girlfriends. I don't okay. remember which one's girlfriend, but she was only supposed to be on a couple shows, but they loved her so much that they kept her on. So I think that she might be kind of wonderful the um there's a boy band so i'm boy band era and there's a boy band called lfo and she was the the um they wrote a song about her um called girl on tv and then she actually starred in it which is like kind of fun um but that's like that that story you just told where she was like having a meltdown just makes me think that she was just like this sweet little because she had to been like teens or 20s at that point just like not and that like kind of shows how stressful actual filming these things can be because it like i think it fucks with you mentally like there's a lot of stories coming out that hit hitch hitchcock is it um yeah like traumatized people same with kubrick traumatized people on set of horror films so oh that's sweet okay what are the other fun facts i mean those were the ones that i was most excited about but yeah you're right she was only 18 and i think sarah michelle Gellar might have been 19 or 20 so they they were the most age appropriate (laughs) high school students that we've we've seen um but you know i think in the there were a couple uh reese witherspoon was supposed to be on it she declined it and um and uh, but she said Ryan Phillippe would be great for the role because she was dating him at the time. So I guess she oh. already knew her dude was an asshole. Um, and um, they Helen and Julie switched. So so Sarah Michelle Gellar was supposed to play Julie originally. Jennifer Love was supposed to play Helen originally. Oh, I couldn't imagine that. Now. I wouldn't like it at all. What well, I wouldn't like it at all. 
that was a, a good choice to recast. Is this also is this a fun fact? Is that where so Sarah Michelle Geller and Freddie Prince Jr. are known Hollywood couple royalty yeah. now? They've been going strong for as old as this movie is. Is this where they met? Three years after this movie, yes. This is where they met. So they, they met and the then they ended up there. together. Yep. Okay. So this, so this is, is the most got- important love story in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> comes from this. And okay. I love them together. I do too. And I love and- how Freddie Prince Jr. like was like, I'm literally who was who did he get so mad at on that show that he stopped acting? He stopped acting because one of the guys he acted with was such a cunt that he was like, I can't. I'm not doing this anymore. So see where it's going. Okay. Apparently the back, the other option, the other following movies were very good too. I didn't want to watch them yet because I got confused. Okay. So our good friend of the show, soon to be guest, Larique Wash, has suggested that we start playing Fuck, Mary Kill. And I told her once we do a movie where students have graduated high school, Maybe we'll play that game. But today seems like the day. Yeah. So do it up. Who do you pick? Fuck, Mary kill. Oh. Of Is it, is it of the four? Like, how, how oh, broad is my you range? You can go whole movie if you'd like. I'll admit it. I would have fucked Barry. I wouldn't have felt good about it. Okay. But I would have fucked him. Okay. I, you know, I have to say, um, I, pro- I'm going to go, I would probably have killed Barry. So this is my three. I would kill okay. Barry. Mm-hmm. I'd probably fuck Helen and marry Julie. I would <laughs> marry yeah. Julie. Yeah. You can't not. I mean, no, she seems yeah. like she could make some money someday. She's a brains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you had to, if you kept me limited to the, to the four, I would, I would kill Barry of the four. Um, but I would marry Julie. I would fuck Barry and, um, probably kill Max, probably kill him all over again. Yeah. Ew, (laughs) Max left such, first of all, I appreciate that Galecki wanted to be like a tough guy at some point in time. And we know that's not his vibe. He was trying to break out of his role as David yeah, he he played David was like this kind of meek guy over there. And I and he successfully seemed like such an asshole that when he was the first one killed, I was like, all right. And yeah. actually, that that is another fun fact. So he wasn't supposed to get killed that early in the movie. He wasn't supposed to be that big of a deal in the movie. But the producers were like, it's not gory enough. So because the first person wouldn't have been killed until Ryan Phillippe. Mm-hmm. they needed an earlier slash so that's why they brought him back to film just that one scene where he gets murdered making wow. soup in an ice chest i don't know what was happening in that fisheries are confusing to me obviously. it was fishing boat guy stuff <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness all right so let's anything else you want to talk about before we get into our uh Love hated cringiest. No, I think we're good. All right. So tell me what they are. <laughs> All right. Um, my most favorite, there's this really funny scene. So you mentioned earlier that Ray like wanted Julie back. 
And so at the very end, like one of the very last scenes, he like pours his heart out to her and he's like, basically like, I'm still in love with you and blah, blah, blah. And he says all this stuff. And then she just goes, I feel your pain. And then that was it. Like she didn't go, I love you back. Or like she didn't pressure herself to like respond to any of this bullshit he just said, which I I appreciated that. Um, Least favorite was just the, you know, the general physical violence that Barry exhibited towards the women and just Mm -hmm. the general misogyny pointed at the women. So like I said, Helen was called like a has-been. She wasn't believed. Julie was literally choked by Barry. Mm-hmm. Um, a few other instances where he's just aggressive, both verbally and physically with them, uh, with the women in particular. Um, and then the cringiest, there's this moment, um, it just hurt me to watch, um, where, so this guy, uh, the killer, like his his signature outfit is a slicker, um, like a leather slicker, whatever it is, uh, a fisherman's hat and a hook. Like that was, that was his thing. And so there's a part where they're at a parade and Barry's looking for the killer and all these people are wearing that same outfit and he chases one down and it ends up being this like really elderly man who he just knocked over and this man's like has his hands up and is like moaning like don't hurt me and i was like wow he just like physically assaulted an elderly man and we're just gonna move on from it because he was justified because he was looking for the killer um that 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 was cringe for me to watch elderly abuse happen on screen but what about you i'm you know i'm i'm yeah, keep going. What about you? <laughs> oh, that is another fun fact. So in the movie, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character, Helen, was supposed to say, so I'm just supposed to look for the fish stick guy. <laughs> but they cut it because they didn't want to bring anything funny into that moment. Oh, that's too bad. Which is I a, like, I like yeah. a, I like a blending of funny and scary. Right, for sure. So my cringiest, I already said, because and it's just it's just uncomfortability with romance stuff. We've already talked about how I don't really like romantic comedy kind of. That's not always my go to. But when he said the statistics are that high school sweethearts are the most likely to stay together. And then she goes, show me your sources. And he points to his heart. I was like, come on. You don't talk like that? No, no, no. Oh, and 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 my husband will say cheesy shit like that sometimes, and I'm like, cut it out, and then I just leave the room. <laughs> um, my husband so- and I are both um academics, so every Valentine's Day, you know, a few different memes come through, and then stuff like "What I feel for you is statistically significant" and stuff. <laughs> so I'm very used to that kind of humor in my life but <laughs> um and then uh oh uh, we did not honorable mention who else i would marry i'm sorry and that's deb who was her roommate in college who's like i'll drive oh, you yeah. all the way home the only boston black person north carolina yeah a friend that will drive you from boston to north carolina is a significant friend and that could take care of me she was also you're right and that was very nice she was also um really like emotionally supportive she's like julie come on girl you're you got this very supportive she was also the only black person featured in the entire film whole movie yep 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 um 
so my least favorite is very much uh Barry altogether. Everything about him. I hated that guy. The only line that he said was the this is a bill for our therapist someday was the only yeah. time that I kind That's of was funny. like, okay. But and and I agree with you. This just be, like the girls were the smart ones in this movie. The girls mm-hmm. were the heroes. They were treated like trash. And they were treated badly. And it's just so fucking like it's so ridiculous that we have to deal with that in like as women, there's this, this mm-hmm. constant proof. Like he was just a dumb football player. And I'm not saying all football players are dumb, but he didn't seem like he brought a lot to the table besides having a bunch of money and playing football. There was no like there was nothing that he brought personality wise. Sure, people think Ryan Phillippe is cute, but this movie made me reminded me that I never thought he was cute. Like, I just was like, ugh, everything about that guy. What I loved is the, and I keep on almost calling her Buffy, but Sarah Michelle Keller's death scene. That whole fight, like the fact that she fought. Oh, yeah. was She was such a badass. And I was looking up dates and times because I was like, I wonder if they had her fight so hard because she was Buffy right at the same time. But that was still the first year of Buffy. Uh, So did they just, and I was trying to research, like, did they just use the fact that they had this person who literally does fight scenes all the time and took advantage of it? Regardless of the reason why they did it, the fact that she was so she fought so hard, she was so smart, she was so tricky through that whole thing, and she made it almost to people and then got murdered was Mm -hmm. just the best fucking murder scene in any movie ever, ever. She did the um, when I was watching it, I was thinking, wow, she really did the slasher girl like the horror girl scene super well and her death is the most hurtful for me right right (laughs) like i wanted to almost skip through it it is like kind of a beautiful scene there's like fireworks in the background and stuff but it was so hard to watch because she did fight him off and outsmarted him so much before that that um and i'm sorry everyone if you're hearing a bunch of things falling because my cat just attacked my desk but um that one was tough. Yeah, it was definitely hard. And I'm not happy she died. I wish like she would have been such a badass final girl. Mm-hmm. If her character was the one who was like digging through ice and stuff like that, it would have okay. been a lot yeah. more believable. I, exactly. OK, thank you for pointing that. Out. I was about to get to that. I was going to say. And then by comparison, Jennifer Love Hewitt is doing that final girl stuff. And she's supposed to be in this room with ice with a bunch of like pellet ice, nugget ice or whatever. And her acting, I love Jennifer Love Hewitt, but the acting in that, I was like, she should have been like portraying that it's cold, that it's wet. That was on the prop masters bad. Yeah. Um, It was clearly fake guys. And I really feel like that whole, how miserable that experience would have been, could have been much better portrayed. But of the two, I would say Helen had the better, um, scene and it's just really a shame that she didn't end up final girl yeah and and there are and there are parts in the movie where they discuss that she could have been the final girl and that would i just thought that that would have been so or or both girls like what Mm -hmm. if just the two girls lived because ray was kind of bland right like he ended up saving the day she would not have made it out without him he was very gentle he was kind so i don't want to i don't want to I don't want to discount 
having a not hypermasculine man as the male hero. I like that. You know, that he wasn't so like, you know, he wasn't Barry, right? And saying that knowing that he still participated in an attempted murder, but um, but he I do like that this is the first time that the guy who the guy who saves the day, yeah, he was a, a fisherman that mm-hmm. we've learned that's the right term. And yeah, he like he wasn't he's certainly not a little guy, but I do like the fact that that he kind of brought in this different view of masculinity that we didn't see a lot in the 90s, except yeah. for the people who got killed, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. So so I but I do love that Sarah Michelle Geller gave such a good fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No. So here's the important question. Does it pass yeah. the smell test? Well, so to answer that, I think I think overall, yeah. And here's a few reasons why I pointed it out. Um, well, let's get into first why it might be a little iffy. Um, just in general, I don't think it was chronologically accurate, if you will, for the times that there were no black individuals in this whole community in North mm-hmm. Carolina. Right. Um, that seems 90s, so. pretty unlikely. Um, at first I thought it was the Northeast and I was like, maybe, but even still like, you know, there's still people of color everywhere. Um, North Carolina, that seems a little iffy to me, but, um, some, well, here's the thing. This one's a tricky one because it does pass the smell test, but are there things that were portrayed then that are still happening now? Yes. And let me get into it. So number one. The primary reason why they did not report this guy that they ran over was they were afraid of the legal repercussions, not because they want they were scared to go like um what well it, it wasn't because they were like it's the right thing to do. It wasn't like a right thing versus wrong thing. It was more if we get caught. I'm screwed because I don't have money. Like that's literally right. what, what they were saying. What Ray was saying, like, we, I don't have the money to beat this, which right. is totally not inaccurate. And so then I'm thinking about in contemporary society, um, there was a dude named um, Ethan, I want to say Slater, who got off from a sentence after I think driving drunk and literally killing people. So a very similar situation based on the defense that's now known as the affluenza defense yes which was the argument that he was too sensitive to essentially be able to handle prison he was so used to being entitled that he deserved the entitlement right isn't that part of it yeah and that like and so he got off and then he ended up doing other dipshit stuff Um, so that's still very true that money can buy your way out of stuff for sure so it makes me wonder like okay if they were rich enough would they have reported it but just still faced um you know faced the system and just gotten away with it you know so that's weird but also the misogyny you know um there's just a lot of just like I, I covered earlier. So a lot of that misogyny, the patriarchy, the way it, um, it, the way that women are treated 
um, and not believed in a lot of ways, the way that men are just casually violent with women and casually um, insult women is still very much a thing, overly critical. Um, he was telling, Ju Barry was telling Julian and Helen, like, wow, you all really let yourselves go. And yeah, um, so so that stuff is still is still happening today. Yeah, for sure. And I and that makes it hard to evaluate because is it much different? Like, obviously, it's a slasher film and there's parts of that that are just for entertainment purposes. I, I, I do, you know, I laugh because so this is based off a book of the same title and the kids did a crime, but everything else diverts. That's like a mystery book. It's not really a there's the author was pissed. It was turned into a slasher. She didn't like that at all. But by today's standard, is it even really that much of a slasher? I'm like, oh, five people. Like, it's just so much less intense than we see. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's difficult because the things that make it not okay are not done. Right. So the problems that we have, the berries, we know berries, right? We've met berries before. I had a, um, a guy walk into my husband's office because we work at the same place. And he walked into my husband's office and he's like, oh, I really got in the crosshairs of your wife. Like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that's just and and then having to explain to my very, very attentive husband that that is sexism is mm -hmm. is, you know, and he got it. But yeah, but that's like one of those things that's just so the patriarchal structures are so embedded in our current society that the stuff that's bad in this movie is not shocking. And that's right. frustrating. So for that reason, I mean, I can't really say it doesn't hold up to the times because it's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm, I'm sad, but I will tell you the <laughs> makers of I Know What You Did Last Summer learned their lesson because the next one obviously stars Julian Ray, but it also stars the famous, the fantastic, <laughs> one of the most cultural icons of my life, mm -hmm. Randy Norwood, mm -hmm. and then Kai Pfeiffer. Yeah. And then, you know, there's an old black guy in the movie and a young black guy in the movie, a dog. So it's all of a sudden they get diverse only one year later. So, so maybe some of the complaints. Listen, I feel like in general and we should I mean. I think at some point we'll start visiting sequels, but I feel like there was a genre in the late 90s, early 2000s where kind of like you remember how leprechaun has one that's in the hood i feel like a lot of movies halloween did it um nightmare on elm street to to some extent did it where sequels started to racially diversify yeah but it's very rare that the primary film had much racial diversity but then you get into a sequel and then suddenly it was very racially diversified and i don't know if that was a response to backlash but yeah, I do. I do really enjoy the the sequel as well. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I need to watch it. I just didn't want to mix it up because I hadn't seen it before and I didn't want to yeah. start mixing up parts. All right. So that is uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Thanks for listening. We can be found at the Smell Test podcast on um, Instagram. And uh, I was going to tell them when they listened, but they already did. Next week, we're going to go after the movie that chilled me as a child to my 
Bones, my very scariest movie that I've ever watched in my life. And we're going to, and I've only watched it once. So I don't know if it's still scary. It's called The Changeling, not with Angelina Jolie, but the 1978 version. So I think we're going to talk about some disability stuff. I think we're going to talk a lot about privilege. And also there's a very good chance I'm just going to cry through the whole episode. Well, you know, I'm going to reframe this because when we had Matt on, you know, Matt said it did help him work through some of his trauma. (laughs) So I'm just wishing that for you. Hope so. (laughs) Thanks everybody for listening. We hope you have a great rest of whatever um, time of day it is for you when you're listening to this. And yeah. All right. See you next week.